You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Due to some confusing, boring legal stuff, Sin can't podcast any of the knee-slapping tracks that are played on air. To dance along with us in the studio, you'll need to listen live. Tune your radio dial to 90.7 or stream it online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded, it always was and always will be, Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I haven't flipped flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this matter, over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what is right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. Welcome back to Represent. I'm here with Bridie. We've Hello. We've got a bit of a packed, filled show today. We do. It's a bit jam-packed. It is extremely jam-packed, but George is not here yet. He's actually told us that he'll be here in two minutes, so just... Amazing. So yeah. we can play a song, and then after yeah. that, he will be back. But, so, yeah, first of all, apologies about a bit of a rookie start. <laughs> I've clicked something there. That was a bit scary. Um, it's okay. But it's all right. We're, we're live um, on radio. That's what happens. I know. Mistakes <laughs> happen. Um, but, yeah, we've got a bit of a hectic show today. We I'm going to go through a lot of... Um, state election things, a lot of major party promises, and kind of like a bit of an instructional on how to vote if you're a young person and you have no idea who to vote for. Because I feel like there's more like less hype around state elections and people kind of get a bit like, oh, I don't even know what's going on kind of. Yeah, and they just kind of throw their vote away Yeah, they could use it for their own advantage. Yeah, so I thought it'd be good to kind of go over like what each party's offering. And then, Brady, what have you got? I have a segment about um, cannabis and marijuana, whatever you like to call it. (laughs) Um, So in the US, um, Joe Biden has just pardoned all prior federal offences for marijuana possession. So obviously not the huge, you know, dealing crazy large amounts of drugs, but just the low-level possession offences. So... um, that's I'm chatting about that and about the drug laws in Australia because there have been some changes and some developments in the last few years. Great. And I think George has some he has, stuff on Australian... Is it right-wing... I think it's Nazism Na- specifically. I know, you said Nazism, but I didn't know if I was being dramatic by saying Well, his Nazism. first line has the word Nazi okay. symbols in it. So, so. We'll, we'll take that then. I was going to say something a bit more 
polite, like right-wing extremism. <laughs> but we'll go straight for Nazism. You're back on Represent on Sin. I am back in the studio after a little bit of an absence, but I'm glad to be here amongst my wonderful colleagues, Mimi and Bridie. <laughs> um, but yeah, take it away. Yeah, so I'm going first today, and I'm kind of, as we already said, a bit earlier when you weren't here, George, uh-huh. we're going to talk about a, some more state election things. Um, and we were kind of talking about how we feel like young people especially a little less hyped about the state election. Bridie said something good about them throwing their vote away. Yeah, I <laughs> forgot that I said that, but yes, I still um, agree. <laughs> so I thought it could be good if the ABC's done this page where they've outlined, where they've done Labor, Liberal Gains, and then they've outlined their policies for certain like themes, like transport or health. Um, so I thought I would go over those things and kind of, yeah, just go over what they're supposedly promising if you vote for them. I haven't gone th- through, like, I haven't, named every single thing that they um, list because it, there's quite a lot. But obviously, if you want to read further, you can go to the ABC, and I'm pretty sure it's called the Victoria State Election Pledges. So you can go look at that. Um, but I'll start off, and there's a lot, there's a fair bit to get through, but I've tried to condense it. And in the end, I think I'm just going to ask you guys, like, what do you think's the most interesting or what's surprising or, like, what do you think about all these promises? So... Let's start off with transport. We've talked about it weirdly a lot the last few weeks. I mean, it's important. It's an important it's part important, of life. <laughs> but I just kind of forget about it. And, like, we've been talking about the trains and the buses. True. Yeah. And, you know, last week we kind of talked about, like, the roads. So I kind of was like, well, we should probably talk about it. So Labor is aiming to improve a lot of infrastructure all around Melbourne, including a suburban railroad, which is supposed to connect the outer suburbs of Melbourne through, like, a large loop, like, around... In the outer suburbs, which I thought was kind of cool. It's about um, airport as well. Pardon? I think it's centralised around going, building an airport From, station. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, they're also aiming to do new stations for Keelor East, Tiny West and Truganina, which are our beloved western suburbs that we talked about last week. Tiny. Tiny. Sorry. Sorry. That's no, okay. I'm, I'm not... Well You're not versed with all the ma- I thought my pronunciation of Truganina, Truganina was pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, so they're getting some attention, which we love to see, as we talked about last week. Um, But the Liberal Party would shelve the government's suburban rail loop if they were elected, and they would redirect those funds to health projects, but they also want to fund numerous infrastructure projects, and are also focusing on to audit the new V-Line fleet for disability access, which I thought was quite good. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, The Greens want to manufacture 3,000 solar-powered electric buses to be deployed across Melbourne and regional cities. So I would say after reading this that um, the the Liberal and Labor Party seem to have a better focus, I would say, on regional areas, whereas the Greens didn't really seem to care about them that much. They kind of were focused on Melbourne, Melbourne, but I guess that makes sense because they don't probably have many supporters in regional Victoria. Um, Then we move on to health. Labor has numerous plans, including hiring and training more nurses, increasing mental health support, especially to students, upgrading various hospitals, including the Marunda Hospital, which is to be named after the Queen, which is a bit controversial, <laughs> as we all probably know. Brady, do you know? Yes. Well, I do think... Um, I'm just thinking of my parents chatted about this 
quite a bit when it first like happened. They were like, I'm sure he's going to backtrack. I'm convinced he'll backtrack. He's definitely going to have to stop, like, cancel this naming it after the Queen. But he hasn't yet. Yeah, he hasn't yet. I feel like it's died down now, so he might not have to. Um, The Liberal Party has similar ambitions, of course, to Labor, but they've thrown a few interesting pledges, and I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of good. So free public transport for Victorian nurses, aged care workers and other allied health workers, which I thought was like, that's kind of like, it's kind of a cool, like it's kind of like localised and kind of like, I thought that was good. Um, And increased enforcement and information campaigns to drive down the number of children using e-cigarettes, which I also thought was very interesting. Definitely interesting. Do you know, I read a stat today, one in five 15-year-old girls in England vapes. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I feel like that could be a statistic here, to be honest. Yeah, probably. And the Greens want to invest $1.3 in hospital beds to relieve pressure on the system, which is kind of, you know, speaks for itself. Social housing... Labor pledges to build more than 12,000 social housing homes by the end of 2025. The Liberal didn't have any initiatives specific to actually building social housing, but they wanted to reduce the current wait list for social housing and also wanted to help people with disabilities gain employment. And, of course, the Greens wants to build 100,000 new public housing units and 100,000 more affordable homes. They didn't. They might have given an end date, but I haven't gotten it here. Apologies for that. It's actually a very critical problem in Australia right now, the mm. public housing. Mm. I think um, the, over the Morrison administration, there was only about 12,000 um, social housing built, um, whereas it's quoted as saying about 25,000 need to be built every year because mm. the rental crisis and property crisis just keeps going on and a lot of people were forced into homelessness from that. Yeah, there's so many stories on the ABC. Did you listen to the Daily Sam Hawley's, uh, my favourite? Did you listen I to the I read an article from week? the ABC, so it might have been like. <laughs> yeah, the same thing, but uh, like okay. audio visual, yeah. maybe. But like, yeah, there's so many, and it's so sad. And like, people who have full time jobs. Yep. Who just can't afford it's to rent. Yeah. Um, he, the, the Greens also are aiming to require large developments, so like big housing states and apartment buildings and things like that, to reserve 30% of their homes for first-home buyers, um, which I thought that's like kind of a, that's a pretty good idea. I thought that was like... I think it's a good idea, but I think, I mean, it's unrealistic. I guess so. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> and they want to strengthen renters' rights, which I think... I feel like that's a very big thing for Labor as well. I don't know. In Brunswick, I've seen so many... Um, for Dr. Tim Reed, um, he's like constantly talking about strengthening. Friends of the show. I know. <laughs> I haven't actually seen him in around the area, but I've seen his posters. They are everywhere, and mm. he's obsessed with that cause. Um, education. So Labor wants to make free kinder for Victorian families from 2023, which I think is quite good, and invest in overseas study hubs for international uni students so they can continue to learn and socialise. I think that's also quite important. Um, and obviously new schools. Um, the Liberal just party just has plans to upgrade new schools and curriculum. They didn't really have anything particularly noteworthy, and the Greens didn't really have anything either. Um, for environment and farming, Labor aims to meet the various climate targets that Australia has, like, already, you know, is aiming for, that they have to aim for, the net zero targets, that's nothing new. But they want to have half of all new cars sold in Victoria by 2030 to be zero emission vehicles. 
Um, the Liberal Party also wants to obviously achieve the same net zero targets. But they had um, a few other pretty good initiatives, um, mostly about like wildlife and the like the, the environment is like vegetation kind of stuff. Um, so you can look at those if you have the time. And then the Greens obviously wants to meet the net zero target, but they want to do it by 2030, which is 20 years before the other parties have proposed to do it, which they've decided, proposed to do in 2050. Um, they want to offer First Nations people greater land rights, legislate the end date for coal mining, and they have other sustainability initiatives as well. And then for energy, um, all parties offer various energy pledges. Labor has a goal of having 2.6 gigawatts of renewable energy storage capacity by 2030, which is supposedly enough to power around half of Victoria's current homes. The Liberal Party wants to subsidise solar panel and battery installations for, you know normal people to put on their houses and the Greens wants to offer a zero interest loan to help one million homes get out of gas over the next six years. For community facilities, both Labor and Liberal Party have pledged various upgrades to community centres and sporting facilities, things such as new change rooms, better ovals. Um, They have pretty similar aims but I would say the Liberal Party was a bit more specific about uh, specific suburbs and grounds and stuff like that. Um, they were very specific, I'd say, actually, overall, in all their aims. Like, okay. down to the T. It was crazy. Mm. I was like, Lord, they have a lot of goals. Um, <laughs> a lot of the, time to, f- to make goals yeah. when you're in the government. I'm <laughs> serious. They were so specific about, like, each tiny oval, and it was bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Greens have no pledges about community facilities. Um, for tourism, trade and business, Labor aims to boost Aboriginal employment. Um, the Liberal Party wants to offer grants of up to $500,000 for small businesses to redevelop shopping strips. And the Greens wants to establish a job guarantee for coal workers. Um, both the Liberal and Labor Party talk about the 2026 Commonwealth Games. Obviously, that's a big deal for tourism. And the Liberal Party would like to have the opening ceremony in Geelong. So I presume they're trying to have this kind of greater focus on regional um, Victoria, but the Lib- Labor Party didn't say much about where they want to have it. Um, and finally, um, justice, laws and integrity. Obviously, both the Liberal and Labor Party are focusing on implementing state-based treaties, such as the Yurok Justice Commission's truth-telling inquiry, and of course, funding the Anti-Corruption Commission. Um, but also, interestingly, the Liberal Party wants a royal commission into the Victoria's COVID-19 response, which I thought was a little bit... pricked my ears off a little. I was like, <laughs> oh, OK. A bit of beef. So, I've come to the end. I got through that pretty quickly. Good job. I, was yeah. taking, I didn't want to go through everyone's time. Um, what stood out to you guys the most? Um, for, for me, it's a lot of it's to do with the infrastructure, um, especially the like as you mentioned before, the suburban rail loop. Um, obviously, like the Liberals haven't been massive supporters of of the initiative, so it's been a really long term planning put in place by um, the Victorian um, Labor government. And yeah, like it'd be really surprising what happens to that if Liberals were to be put in a place of power. Um, all that investment that was put into the suburban rail loop, and you know, all the initiatives put in place. Um, if you know Matthew Guy just wants to sweep it all across, then yeah. you know it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. But you know, I don't know what will come from that. And touching on the the Royal Commission, um, for me, I don't think that's as much. That's just a tool to. 
garner votes, I think. I don't think that's yeah, actually... I, um, I think that. that's almost like a populist, almost kind of like ideology. It's trying to feed off people's aggravations throughout COVID. Um, and but they I want think it. now that we're out of lockdown, we have no mm. masks, we have no isolation anymore. Like yeah. it just, I think it'll probably not do much for them. It won't do a lot, but I don't know, I guess they want a sense of being on the right side of history with yeah, COVID sure. and how it was dealt with um, because obviously the Liberals were quite against um, the restrictions put in place <laughs> and like I guess they want to be seen as you know we were in the right and kind of validate their their opinions on certain things. Yeah, I'd agree with you um, with the infrastructure stuff. I definitely think that's interesting and like obviously our health system does need, you know, extra funding but so does our train system. Mm. You know, like it's a really... Like, I think the suburban rail loop is a good idea, personally. Mm. Um, I'm all for more public transport, kind of in any yeah. sense of... And there's not many, the like, cities in the world that doesn't have a train station next to the airport. Like, yeah. for a developed yeah, city, definitely that's massive. Super, super, like, behind the times. Yeah. yeah. But, like, for that to be accomplished, and assuming that the Liberals don't intervene in that, I think that they're saying it will be... Like, the train station will be built by 2029, I think it was. Yeah, um, I have 2027 or 2029 in my head. Later in the decade. But does that yeah. mean that Labor are going to have to be in power for that entire time to well, achieve that? I feel or? like they'd have to... They'd have there'd be a point yeah. of construction at which... Mm. The, you you, you think if they get stopped. through... Yeah, if they get through this election yeah. to, like, 2025, like, you think no, it's 2026, too... 2026. 2026, then it's too long yeah, to... Yeah, I'd say know, that's too yeah. far yeah. Um, what was interesting about the that rail loop too is like another thing I didn't write it down, but what the Liberals are also saying they would obviously kind of like try to scrap it, but they will. I think they kind of hinted at if they didn't, there's a certain part of it. And I can't remember what between what stations, but they wanted to like preserve vegetation. Okay. And I was like, this is so like now you want to preserve I think vegetation. It's really like they're like, oh, we want to preserve the vegetation. That's why we don't yeah. want to like have the railer. Yeah, it's like, interesting how growth. they've kind of done all those policies. Like you said, the environmental ones, the mm. ones that are like, yes, we need to save the trees and everything. Because Victoria is kind of quite a progressive state, like politically, they've kind of been forced to do this stuff that maybe the federal government like, or the Morrison government wouldn't have done. Yeah, I definitely agree, because they had a lot of stuff about, like, that, and I was yeah. like, oh. How interesting. interesting. They were very, like, to be, like, to be fair and to, you know, give my honest opinion, they had, like, a lot of very deep, like, kind of better detailed things, and, like, I don't know if they'd actually do it, but I was kind of impressed. Mm. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. But... Mm. They're just quite, you know, it's good when they go into the intricate details, I guess. But it would also be, you know, curious to me to the proposition of another liberal, like, you know, a federal government of, like, one party and the state the other. Like, obviously, over COVID, mm. Labor and the coalition had a lot of, you know, a lot of beef between each other. Um, so, you know, if, it, if it's a Labor and Labor, maybe, like, they can work a bit more cooperatively. Mm. Um, and, you know, at the same time, maybe a Liberal and Labor government, like, Maybe there could be benefits to that as well, but yeah, we yet to see that. I'm also asking your opinion on this because I'm kind of don't get it myself. But if there was like if we if liberal did come in, would it be right to say that it would be a more like left wing liberal state? No, no. I'd say the complete opposite. To be honest, I think Matthew Guy is quite renowned as being you know on the right wing of things, right. especially I socially. Think yes, but I think that the liberal. Uh, sorry, the Victorian Liberal Party is more 
towards the left than say the federal liberal party. Yeah, fair enough. But but that like, means you know I think that their behest yeah. to the the nationals a lot, whereas yeah. the liberals yeah, yeah, here aren't don't have to answer to anyone yeah. further to the right than they are. So maybe that plays into it as well. But yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for that, Mimi. It was good to hear yeah, the details okay. about all of that. All right, so we are going to chat about marijuana, marijuana, if you like. No, God's letters. Said that. No, the devil's letters, the devil's not letters. God's letters. <laughs> I think God's letters. Depends on who you ask. Normal letters. <laughs> um, so over in America, you know, over the over the ditch, um, Joe Biden has just... It's a long ditch. I normally say New Zealand's the ditch, isn't it? Yeah, they do. I was, I was actually um, coining a new saying, George, and you've just ruined um, it. Okay, my bad, my bad. Um, so Joe Biden has overnight pardoned all prior federal offences for marijuana possession, which has been called for for ages by advocates and, you know, people who um, basically argue for the rights of felons in America because obviously there's a lot of issues over there with um, convictions and just everything. <laughs> um, so this isn't the same, obviously, as decriminalising or legalising cannabis, but it is, you know, a step towards that, I guess. So from his statement, he said, there are thousands of people who have prior federal convictions for marijuana possession who may be denied unemployment, housing or educational opportunities as a result. My action will help relieve the collateral consequences arising from these convictions. So obviously it's important to note for us that this isn't state-level offences, it's only federal-level offences. What do you guys think about that? Is that enough for him to do? I think it's like... What's the point of criminalizing it if you're just going to let everyone yeah. free? Like, I don't know. It, it, it's a, like I think it's a good initiative because you know having a criminal record for that is pretty stiff. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, to put it lightly, but um, but yeah, I, I guess it's a step in. Like, I can't see it any other way under like if the Democrats get reelected again, um, and like they hold the House, I can't see any other way from it becoming decriminalized in like the very short term future. Mm, interesting clarify something for me in australia right now you don't get charged for possession do you yeah or you does do. it, have to, be a it certain... has to be a certain quantity yeah yeah okay, yeah. Yeah. okay. Like, i think it's like enough. 50 grams and above yeah, so enough yeah. that you'd probably be yeah you're do, probably not just it. using yeah, it okay. so <laughs> yeah. is he talking about like that type of thing or is he just literally being talking right? about well i'm not 100 percent sure but I would say he's talking for, like, the small quantities that people have been convicted for, mm. like the smaller um, quantities. Because, I mean, it says it'll benefit around 6,500 people, which isn't a huge amount, but, you know, it's a few. Mm. And um, when you say, what's, with, like, what's the difference between state and federal? Like, I know the difference between state and federal, but, like, well, like in, in terms America, of getting have- caught, what? How do you know if you're in a state? Because you're always in a state. Well, I know that, like, if you're in Washington, D.C., I'm pretty sure that makes it federal. So it's only one state. But I also think that, like, it depends on the level. I'm not really sure. It's really confusing. (laughs) Over here, I get it, but there, I don't. (laughs) Anyway, he also mentioned the racial implications of this action. And while. Um, white and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates. Black and brown people have been arrested, prosecuted and convicted at disproportionate rates. So his actions been praised by advocates, including something I thought was interesting was the Pennsylvania governor has been like apparently in his ear about 
this <laughs> about like pardoning people and decriminalising weed in America, which I just thought was a bit random. But you know, go maybe he's got him. vested interests there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything's possible. He's like, let me go home and relax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also advocacy groups, obviously. So let's talk about the drug laws in Australia. Um, so nationally, medicinal cannabis was legalised in 2016, but the criteria is very strict Yeah, um, to get it, allegedly. Mm. <laughs> George may disagree. <laughs> Oh, d- yeah, not I'm not that sure about your claim that you can just fill out a form. I think yeah. like that's not oh, true. No, it has okay. to be like prescribed. And it stuff. has to be prescribed, but there's what I'm saying is like there's there's certain companies that make a profit off you know selling medicinal cannabis, right? So yes. like they want to use any excuse they can to prescribe. I get that, I but I feel like it's still very strict on it's a still, GP level. I feel like on, if I on a GP my level, GM but you don't now. have to go through a GP to get it. You don't? You can go through... Sure? There's, there's certain companies that I'm aware of that you can George, go through. I do not think that's right. I really don't. <laughs> or that it's illegal. Since when have you gotten, ever gotten any prescription from anyone other than a GP? Like... I haven't. I'm just saying... No, not something. you, but I'm saying, like, how could anyone be prescribed something that isn't from a doctor? No, they're, they're from doctors, but these doctors work for organisations. Oh, I see. Okay. They're, they're not just random, you know, whatever. But that's just like how a GP might have a certain belief in, like... Correct. ...a certain yeah, type correct. of medicine. They're obviously going to push that a little bit more if they yeah. think it's effective. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why we've got to be so careful with, like, big pharmaceuticals and, like... Big pharma. Big pharma <laughs> and, like, giving... And, like, GP, like, the yeah. relationship. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so the Greens... Like George can, just... Can I'm, I'm not going to say it because right. I don't want to actually introduce... Oh, you don't? You I just, don't want to advertise. Just say if you're right or wrong. I'm right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he wanted us to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, moving on... <laughs> The Greens are campaigning to legalise recreational cannabis at the moment um, because they're planning to introduce a private member's bill, which just means that it's a bill introduced by a member of parliament who's not in the government, um, which basically says that through a section of the constitution that the federal government should be able to legalise recreational cannabis. Um, a survey by, I think, the Health and Welfare Institute found that 78% of Australians don't support cannabis being illegal. So right. that doesn't say whether they say it should be legalised or it should be decriminalised. seems still pretty low. Wait, but they don't think yeah. it should be illegal, doesn't that? They don't think it should be illegal. So, so they, should, they think it's okay? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought, I thought it was the other yeah. way around. No, <laughs> Two <sorry>. negatives. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was phrased very carefully in yeah. the article. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, which is quite a high percentage, I thought. So, um, and at state levels, um, there's different laws in pretty much all the states. So in the ACT, um, this got a lot of publicity when it happened at the start of 2020, um, where carrying small quantities of cannabis for personal use has been decriminalised. In South Australia, they've changed the law, so it's still technically a crime to carry small quantities, but you'll get... Um, a fine, basically. You won't get convicted. Yep. Which I think is an appropriate amount because, again, getting a criminal record that stays with you for 10 years mm. like, is, is pretty harsh for something like this, especially if it's a small like, quantity. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Yes, correct. I agree. <laughs> and in New South Wales, um, this isn't specifically related to like cannabis, marijuana, or whatever, but um, the government has just released a long-awaited response to a drug inquiry or an inquiry into its drug policy after a few deaths. Well, quite a few deaths happened in 2018. Um, so Dominic Perrottet, the Premier, has categorically refused to decriminalise all drug possession, which was a key suggestion of the report. Um, the report said something like, this is like the bare minimum that should be done. Um, but Perrottet did announce a $500 million investment into expanding what are pre-existing pre-court diversion schemes. There are a lot of pre's in that sentence. Um, some justice initiatives and gaps in like treatment services. So the expansion of the pre-court diversion schemes will mean that first-time offenders with small amount of drugs will be fined around 400 bucks, but this won't be available for people who have already been convicted of certain offences. Um, and this has already been in place for a while. It's not new, it's just getting expanded. Um, but it's actually led to f certain groups, um, including First Nations people, who have already been convicted of the offences that, like, basically exclude them from this scheme. It's meant that they've been disproportionately convicted of low-level drug offences, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Well, interesting in a bad sense. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so the... Uniting Church General Manager for Advocacy said that a large part of the reason why people with drug dependency don't reach out for help sooner is because of the criminal consequences of drug use. And it's also the reason why people don't tend to disclose their drug use to family, friends or health professionals. This is why a better diversion approach is needed. So basically she's saying, yes, but you should do more. Um, and moving on to here in Victoria... Doctors can prescribe medicinal cannabis if they believe it's appropriate, but using marijuana is still illegal. And what do you guys think? Is that outdated? Is it time to change the law? Well, I keep thinking back to what they did in New Zealand, how it went mm -hmm. to a vote and it didn't pass. Like, majority of people said that um, cannabis shouldn't be legalised, which is which was quite interesting to me, um, especially considering that's probably even more of a progressive um, country yeah. than we are. Um, so, like, you know, the odds of Australia, like, getting behind something like that is probably not as likely as we might think it is. I definitely agree. I think it should be legalised, the good one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't think people will want it, though. I think we're very conservative when it comes to yeah. drug, Drugs. recreational drug use, and I don't think people would do that. But I think it should be. I think it's important to mention that we, like kind of live in an echo chamber in the sense where we probably mm -hmm. don't have as many like outside opinions on this um like especially like when you talk to people from like school or university i doubt many people would be against um legalizing it but at the same time there is merit in um you know being able to legalize something because then you can not only just you can control the distribution of it and you can also regulate um you mm. know drugs in general um, so that, that's one of the positives of it. But then, again, the argument against it would probably be that it could be considered a slippery slope to other drugs. Um, yeah, there's, there's countless reasons that are for and against, so I think they're important to mention. Yeah. Yeah. I think, though, that, like, you can see it in the, like, legalisation of cigarettes compared to the vapes and e-cigarettes, mm. the way that those are so unregulated, so much worse for you, so many people more more people do it though heaps more is because yeah. they're illegal and they're not regulated yeah and I think that's a good like argument to 
put on to recreational drug use. Yeah. Hmm. Very good. Well, I think we'll leave out that for now. Um, obviously, it's going to have a lot of attention in the future, especially. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. To finish off the show, um, I'll be discussing something that was quite problematic and quite problematic to see and like for myself as well as someone who I think is kind of connected to this kind of realm of Australia. Um, so basically, if you're not aware, um, on Saturday there was a soccer match between Sydney United against MacArthur FC. And at that match, there were some pretty distressing images broadcasted on national television. Um, what we saw was the booing of the Welcome to Country the, and chanting alongside it, um, chanting and booing the national anthem, um, various Nazi salutes um, in the crowd that was quite clearly broadcasted, and also some chanting that has genesis from Croatian fascists um, in World War II that really was distasteful to see. Um, so to kind of pre-emphasize everything that happened, um, I understand that a lot of people won't be aware of the reasoning behind these things, so I'll try and put this as briefly as I can. But um, Sydney United um, is an old soccer club within Australia that formed from Croatian immigrants. And they came, obviously, after the mass immigration into Australia from the 1940s, which saw a lot of Eastern and Southern Europeans coming to Australia. And at the time, soccer was kind of seen as a safe haven for a lot of um, for a lot of people of ethnic minorities um, because they weren't really welcomed into a lot of communities. There was really not a lot of safe spaces for people who had such a heritage. And that includes my own grandparents who are Greek. And they have told me that the only two places they ever felt welcome in Australia in that time was at the church and at a soccer match. Um, so these kind of clubs who have a lot of history, a lot of ethnic connections um, do kind of undertake a lot of these ideologies that maybe never got diminished over the time in Australia. So um, to give a bit of a history lesson, um, during the game, Sydney United fans were pictured booing the welcomed country, as I said before, and they were heard chanting Zadom Spremni, which is a slogan meaning ready for homeland that is undeniably associated with the Ustaza movement, which was a fascist movement that controlled the independent state of Croatia, which was established after the independence of Yugoslavia in 1941. Now, why this is problematic is because obviously the Ustaza was a fascist movement and they were aligned with Hitler. They had concentration camps um, within Croatia and, you know, it was kind of run by war criminals such as Ante Pavlic, who supported, um, you know, Nazis ruling and Benito Mussolini's fascist Italy. So in a sport where it is such a diverse, like soccer is such a diverse sport in Australia, and it's actually aided a lot of multiculturalism within Australia. Um, it's so distasteful to see a country that's given so much this, to these communities kind of turn their back on the country and the history of the country that has provided so much for them. I'm going to quote um, Lucy Zalich, who is an Australian Croatian. She's a media pundit as well. And she spoke about her views on what on the events that took place on Twitter. And I'll quote her saying, Our history is laced with much struggle, grief and loss, but immense resilience. 
Growing up with an ethnic background in Australia, I knew what it was like to be on the receiving end of racism and was often told to F off back to Croatia and there were certain slurs that I won't use in this, but I was confused because Australia was my homeland and we were so, so proud of it. I was born in the 80s and was never raised to be a fascist, racist or anti-Semitic. It wasn't an option. We knew what being treated differently was because of your ethnicity and losing loved ones in senseless war felt like life. What happened at last night at the Australian Cup final was shocking and simply devastating and I didn't want to believe it. It was the first time I felt embarrassed by the actions of my fellow countrymen and I wasn't alone. So that kind of emphasises how this has been rejected by a lot of people in the Croatian community as well. Um, rightly so because obviously there's still a, a large seedling of this fascist ideology amongst some Croatians, especially when you kind of saw thousands of people joining into this chant um which was really like disheartening to see and obviously the broadcast picked it up it got the condemnation of football australia which is the, what regulates um soccer in australia and pretty soon after sydney united croatia um condemned the actions this also led to the jewish board of deputies chief executive darren bark who said these vile symbols and salutes have no place in modern australia society they represent the ultimate manifestation of evil an evil which led to the murder of millions of innocent civilians during world war ii including six million jews and thousands of australian diggers who lost their lives fighting against the nazis reprehensible conduct such as these causes immense distress to the victims of nazi crimes and their descendants while undermining our cohesive multicultural society the fact that the welcome to country and the national anthem was booed last night underlines the contempt these people have for australians and our dig our diggers and on top of that dominic perite called for a, a ban for life for all the people that were involved so like personally reflecting on this it's just seeing how much like soccer has been meant to be a multicultural thing that included so many people of societies it was a safe haven for so many ethnic cultures that came to australia including my own heritage it's the most distasteful thing that i've honestly seen in a long time and it it, it was really upsetting seeing it. i know a lot of people have had a lot of emotional ties to this um a lot of people have kind of defended the actions as well which is somehow shocking to me but um this all comes after last year as well which in victoria um the there was a ban of the symbols of nazism um especially after the pandemic there was far-right extremism in australia increased by 750 percent which is was commonly found within young men in australia which was quite clearly the people who were conducting these chants and doing the nazi salutes in the game i'll ask you guys do you, do you think that, like, what factors lead to these kind of rise of fascism in Australia? I know it's, like, a very loaded question and it's not very easy to answer, but, you know, like, events like this on the weekend, like, what makes this occur? Oh, it's definitely super tricky mm. to say. Um, I'm just conscious of time, so I'll be quick, but I feel like the pandemic definitely didn't help. The fact that people had to be online all of the time and could kind of fall into, like, sinkholes of... Sinkholes is not the right word. There's a word for this. Echo chamber. Echo chambers. Yeah. yeah. Pipeline. Pipeline is what pipeline, I'm thinking yeah. of. Like the sort of far right pipeline um, and get surrounded by all this stuff in like an echo chamber, like you said. Um, 
Yeah. And it mobilizes them when you've got social media as well. Exactly. Like, it, what my old politics teacher would tell me is that the rise of Nazism is largely linked to social media because, you know, in history, like in like the 80s and 90s or whatever, like these people would just be shunned from society and they wouldn't even be yeah. given the voice of it. But, but now they can they mobilize. Can communicate with each yeah, other correct. so much. Yeah. Mimi? I agree. Um, but yeah, I basically agree. I'm not sure why it happened in a sporting match. I feel like it's easier yeah. to kind of analyse when it's, like, something related to politics or, like, Definitely. Um, you know, yeah. protests and things like that. I'm not really sure what, like, yeah, I don't have an It's kind of just because they're tied to the connection history and... Yeah, I get yeah, the yeah. sporting yeah. history and the feeling of inclusivity but just why did that they the game do it is supposed there? to... Because it's still... Because soccer's still seen as, like, a mobiliser of their ethnicity. So, like, they go to the game being Croatian, if that makes sense. Mm. Like still taking not only their Croatian heritage but all their Croatian baggage that comes along with it, I guess. So yeah, that's like my take from it. But yeah, mm. um, but like, is there much that can really be done about all of this? Like Dominic Perrette called for life bans for those that were involved. Is there like how much can you really enforce legislature against people who you know do these things? Well, I think, I mean, I think the life ban wouldn't that come from Football Australia? Yeah, correct. And that will yeah. only be like within like soccer in Australia. Yeah. It's not much else. I mean, I guess it does send a message, but I mm. don't think it's, it's not going. I mean, it's not going to address the root cause by yeah. any means. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we are running very late for time, so I will have to wrap it up now as there is a very important episode of Fresh Sounds coming up after this. But it has been a pleasure talking to you guys again. Um, you can catch us on Omni or all your podcasting platforms. And as always, Stay political. See you next week. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show.